paris.online.church is our is our, our local congregation in the city of Paris. Digital.online.church is our is our meeting place for every really everyone anywhere can come and, and visit at, um, at digital.online.church. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. And, and then uh, we, are, we are here in person. And so we are so glad that, uh, we are so glad that you are here with us, uh, whatever way it happens to be that, that you are here. And, uh, and we're thankful for that. Every parent, every parent can remember that moment in your life when you are teaching your children a life skill, maybe you're teaching your son or daughter something, something important like maybe how to change a tire, maybe how to, how to cook an egg, how to, how to sew on a button. Remember when we were teaching the kids how to ride a bike? You remember that? How to, how to feed their new pet. Maybe it's, it's how to heal from that first broken heart. And just as in our childhood, there is a moment when kids learn how to say the word no, kids also are going to, at some point, as you're teaching them, learn how to say this. They're going to say, I got this. I could do this. Let me do it. That happens often. Maybe it's the first time that, that mom hands you a spatula and you're, you're making that egg. You're perfectly content with mom looking over your shoulder the entire time. But by the third or the fourth time, you're saying, you know what, mom, I'm okay. If you just come in and turn on the stove, I've got this. I can do the rest of the work. But by the 15th and 16th and, and 17th attempt at this chore, at this new life skill, you're saying, you know what, Mom? You don't even have to get out of bed. I've got this. I don't need your help. Right? And it's not just in our physical life that we'll say things like this, that we'll stand up and, and take control of our newfound skills, but somewhere in our spiritual youth, many people have said, God, you don't even have to get out of bed because I got this. I don't need your help. I'm okay. See, what happens in our earthly world is that after a while of telling our parents that we've got this, that, that I don't need your help, what happens is our parents start to transition. Our relationship with mom and dad changes. It's not so much a relationship now of a parent who is teaching kids. We have this friendship relationship that maybe moms and daughters come together as closer friends. Maybe it happens in their late teenage years. Maybe it's in their 20s. Maybe their early 30s. Maybe it's on a wedding day that that relationship changes. And now mom and daughter are not so much mom teaching daughter. They are support and they are best friends. For some reason, though, we take that quality and we look at God through that same relationship. Some people, when they're young in their faith, they're going to look at God not so much as this authoritative figure anymore, or maybe it, that is the only time that they look at God as this authoritative figure. But then they start growing up, they're getting some, they get some life skills, but then they start to look at God as more of a friend. Even some of the oldest Christians, physically, in age, still have areas of their life 
where they're telling God, God, you know what? You can stay in bed. I got this. I don't need your help here. Let me tell you something about God. God never transitions from being your heavenly father into being your heavenly friend. Always a heavenly father. There may be a moment in your life when you learn that you cannot rely on some of your friends. Why is that? Well, maybe it's because somebody let us down. Or we realized that we had higher expectations for people than they actually came through with. So we stop relying on people in our life, and then what happens? We just move on to doing things ourselves. Say, I got this, right? We lose faith in people, and then we bring things back to the only person who we say we can fully trust. It's ourself. All of the people in the world that we have relied on at one point may have at one point given you pause to rely on them again. And of all of the people who we tell ourselves that we cannot rely on anymore, why is God one of them? Why is it that we struggle to come all in in our reliance on God? I want you to see what the prophet Isaiah says. We're in Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to put up on the screen verse number 28. Do not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives strength to the weary, and to the one who lacks might, he increases power. When I was a kid... There were times, and, and, and you may have had a situation like this as well, there was times when my dad would come home from work. He was tired. He was burnt. He'd spent all day doing dad's stuff, and he comes home, and, and as an eight-year-old, you wanted to do eight-year-old stuff with dad, right? As much as I may have wanted it to play or needed it attention, he, w he was done for the day. He was burned out. And understandably so, he's human. Let me tell you about God. He is a heavenly father who will never become weak or tired. If you need God in the middle of the night, he is there. You're never going to call God and get his answering machine in the middle of the night. If you need him after he has spent three days straight staying up all night answering prayers and making it rain in certain areas of the world so they can grow crops and wheat, and you just have one small prayer request, God is there. He is an everlasting God. He does not stop. Our scripture says that his understanding is unsearchable. It means you can't find the end of his understanding. Humanly, I think we can find the end of our own understanding. Everyone who you currently go to, everyone who you currently rely on, chances are you can find the end of their understanding, but we still go to them first. Why? Why is it? See, God... God is not a liar. He has not lied to you. He is not a thief. 
He's not a politician or a negotiator. He's not a sleazy Uncle George kind of guy. What is it that God has done that has led you to believe that you cannot go all in 100% in your reliance on him? When we go through the relationships that we have had in our lives, I can think of times when people have done me wrong and I just, I know I can't rely on them anymore. I can't list a single time when God has ever stolen money from me. I can't list a single time when, when God has ever got, maybe he's got a little bit too close to, you know, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and maybe he's just kind of... I've never been in a situation where God has put me in a place where I can't rely on him anymore. I can't think of a time when God ever gave me bad advice. All I can remember is every time that I have needed him, he was there. And every time I called out his name, he was there. And even in those moments when I wasn't thinking about him, I could hear him calling out my name. When all my family and friends have been scattered all over the place, nobody's calling, I really need to talk to somebody, God would just, it's like he would grab a blanket and he would just slouch down on the floor and he would just sit with me and listen. And I know I can rely on that. Here's my question. After so many people in the world have failed you, so many people in the world have possibly lied to you, have stolen from you, have broken your heart, why is it that after all of this, we still go to these people first? We still rely on them first. Why is it that God, the one who connected your arm to your elbow, your elbow to your, your upper arm to your shoulder, the one who created you and who has a perfect track record in our lives is not the first one that we run to, but rather is the fourth, fifth, or sixth, maybe. I have a situation and I might pick up that book after I have asked everyone else for their opinion and their when it comes to maybe an Olympic medal stand on who we rely on first, maybe mom and dad get a gold medal, they're on top, and, and maybe there's best friends with a silver medal, and, and then maybe there's a special co-worker with a bronze medal, and for some reason, God might get honorable mention if he's lucky. Why? If you were to put together a help wanted ad and put it in the newspaper... You write this down, you say, looking for a reliable friend, somebody to talk to, somebody who will listen, somebody who will give healthy advice, strong advice, correct advice, someone who always has my best interests in mind, someone who doesn't care that I snore, Somebody who will be ready to talk and listen to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the compensation for this job is absolutely zero. Not paying a single thing. You could run that ad for nine weeks straight, wherever you put it. Newspaper, you can put it online, or Facebook, you could, you could put it in any social media platforms and you're not going to find one single person who is close to as qualified for that job as God. 
But chances are, once you start getting resumes through, you're going to start looking through them. Oh, I kind of know that person. Oh, let me check this person's references. I wonder how often that we check God's references when it comes to somebody who we're looking for for very strong advice. God is the only one who deserves our all-in reliance. I want you to see what's written in John chapter 15. This is Jesus speaking, and he, he says this. John chapter 15. notes this morning point number one in your notes is this being all in that just coming to Christ is good enough to show that I'm giving full reliance to God like day number one People say, okay, yeah, I, I, I came to Christ. I, I, I said a prayer. I was baptized at one point. I'm all in. I'm good. All my reliance is there. Is it? Is it really? Jesus mentioned in that verse, in John 14, uh, verses 4 and 5, he mentioned three times for us to remain. Christ says, outside of me, you can do nothing. If you take the branch away from the tree, which you and I are the branch, if you take it away from the vine or away from the tree, it's just a dying piece of wood that has no nutrition coming to it. It has no water coming to it. Christ is where your spiritual nutrition comes from. And every part of your life, let me say this again, every part of your life has a spiritual connection. Every single part. Maybe it's your family life. Yeah, there's a spiritual connection. Your love life. Maybe it's your marriage. Your mental health. All have a spiritual connection. Your finance, that's big. Absolutely has a spiritual connection. Your work life. Your relationships. These all connect back to the tree. But if you and I, as a branch, are off of the tree, we're not getting any nutrition. Going all in, in your spiritual reliance on God, it does not allow for us to pull away. Because the moment that we pull away, we start telling God this. We start saying, God, I got this. And then we stop receiving nutrition from the vine. We stop receiving it from the tree. When we tell God, I got this, we're saying, I'm going to pull my reliance in-house. I'm going to rely on me. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5 and 6, this is so important, and you've probably heard this before, Bible
It's to be all in in our reliance on God is to be all out of our reliance on self. Whoa. According to Proverbs, who will make your path straight? God. God will. Who is it that is worthy of your 100% reliance? God. I'm wondering if you could look at your own skill set over your lifetime. I just want to I want to ask you this. Can you rely on yourself enough to make all all of your paths straight? Work, family, marriage, social life, mental health, everything. Can we rely on ourselves enough to make all of our own paths straight? And let me ask you this. Can other people rely on you enough to make all of their paths straight? We don't even come close to comparing to God when it comes to reliance. But still, we come back to rely on ourselves. Or we come back to rely on others. See, this is where we get off base. We get off base when we tell ourselves what things should look like according to us or according to the world. Proverbs says, in all of your ways, acknowledge God. It never says, there's never a single word in the Bible that says, in all of your ways, acknowledge yourself whenever, whenever you feel like it. We never read that. It never says, put 40% reliance in yourself and 60% reliance on God and you're good. It never says, bring your own experience that you know about this subject into the situation, push God to the side, and rely more on what you know, what you trust, what you've done in your experiences. We don't read that anywhere in the Bible. See, what happens when we start relying on ourselves and we start telling ourselves, like, I know that God wants me. I know that he wants me to give 10% to the tithe. I know that. But I just can't see how I can possibly do that. Because, see, God, I see my wallet. I see my paycheck. I know how much is in my pocket. And if I give God 10%, then I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. See, that's what happens when we start to create our own path, when we start relying on ourselves. Let's call a spade a spade, though. When we tell God, I just can't do it your way, what we are telling God is, I don't have enough faith to go all in and fully rely on you. That's what we're saying. When we're saying, I can't do this the way that you've spelled this out in the Bible, we're saying, I don't have enough faith to fully rely on you. Use the tithe as an example. This is nothing new. That's been in the Bible for thousands of years. Marriage, how to manage our marriage, that's not new. That's been in the Bible for thousands of years. God created this path. He created marriage. He created a path for it. But we're going to say, I know more. 
We're going to say, you know what? Oh, you know what? I'm going to rely on some self-help books. You know what? I, 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 I found this video. It's really good. Popped up on my Facebook feed two weeks ago. Well, I don't know. Jesus popped up in the world about 2,000 years ago. And we're going to take a Facebook video that popped up two weeks ago over the Word of God? Happens. It does happen. In some of the most important situations in our lives, we, we cost ourselves more torment because we don't go all in in 100% reliance on God. And why don't we? Why don't we do that? I want you to see what Jesus says about relying on him. I'm in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. You've heard this before, too. This, again, is nothing new. Matthew 11:28. 28, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. What Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, stop trying to do it yourself. Come to me. I know what I'm doing. If, if you are weary, if you are tired, if, if you're living in a world of torment, come to me. Stop trying to do it by yourself. Come to me. Let me give you rest. Come to me. Rely on me. I created this stuff. I know what I'm doing. Struggling in relationships? Stop doing it yourself and rely on me. You want the... Do you want the instruction manual for relationships? You've got one. God says, I've given it to you. It's in my book. Stop trying to do it yourself. Read my book. Follow the path. I created the path. Struggling with finance? Why are we trying to do it ourselves? Why aren't we following God's plan? We take our finite, our small mind, and we say, I know more than you. I see my numbers here. I know how powerful my mind is. It's not even close. It's not even close. God says, I created relationships. I know what I'm doing. Rely on me. I created money. I created the path. I know what I'm doing. Rely on me. He says, I, I created friendships and, and marriage and work. I know what I'm doing. Come and rely on me. Go all in in your reliance on me. It's so amazing when we look at God's promises not only do we understand that he created this path for us, but now we can understand how distant we are from that plan when we try and walk that road ourselves. But we still try and answer the questions ourselves. We still try and say, I know what the Bible says, watch this, but. I know what the Bible says, but that's... That's old. I know what the Bible says, but we just don't do it like that anymore. I know what the Bible says. You add the word, but you're changing God's word, period. 
It's that simple. I'm going to take you to the book of Acts. We read a lot of the adventures of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts as the church is starting and the gospel is spreading into different areas of the world. And when Paul would move into a different city, he would go into the synagogue first. We've talked about the synagogue recently as different cities would have a synagogue that Paul would go there and he would start to spread the gospel there because there were Jews that would come to the synagogue on a regular basis. Paul would go to them first when he got into a town. Now, let me tell you something. The Jews really didn't like the fact that he was coming to town talking about Jesus. So it wasn't uncommon for him to be run out of town. Sometimes he had people with him. Everywhere that he went, Jews would follow him around. They'd argue with him. He would win some battles. He would win some arguments. He would bring some people to Christ, and some he wouldn't. Some he'd lose. He'd dust off his his uh, tunic and he'd head off to the next town. There's still more work to be done. I'm in, um, I want you to see something in Acts chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse number 1. Luke writes this, he says, In Iconium they entered the synagogue of the Jews together, this is Paul and Barnabas, and spoke in such a way that a large number of people believed both of Jews and Greeks. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the minds of the Gentiles, and they embedded them against the brothers. Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly, watch this, with reliance upon the Lord, who is testifying to the word of His grace, granting that signs and wonders be performed by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews, while others sided with the apostles." Here's the third point that I want you to write down this morning. When our reliance is all in God, God can do amazing things. I want you to see this. We're going to go right back to that scripture in Acts chapter 14, verse number 3. Again, it says, Therefore, comma, they, this is Paul and Barnabas, spent a long time there. They were speaking boldly, watch this, with reliance upon the Lord. After that comma, Luke writes that God was testifying to the word of His grace. It wasn't Paul or Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, but it is God who is doing this bold, amazing work. They're speaking with reliance on God. But it's not the work of Paul, and it's not the work of Barnabas. As a matter of fact, without God, without their reliance on God, Paul and Barnabas are just there talking. That's it. If you were to take Paul and Barnabas in this situation and you take them away from God, you take their reliance away, what do we have left? Jesus tells us what we have left. Back in Matthew, he said that you have nothing. So Paul and Barnabas out speaking to Jews about Jesus without relying on God? It's just noise. If you and I go out to speak to others about God without reliance on God, if we are not all in, in our reliance on God and the fact that He can do amazing things, maybe it's you and I that are just simply making 
noise. I wonder if you've ever, maybe you've been working around the house and you said, you know what, I just need to turn on the TV for some background noise. Just so there's something, it's like really quiet in here. I don't know if anyone has ever said, you know what, I just asked God to talk just so I can have some background noise. Just let him ramble on for, for background noise. See, that's not the way that God works. He doesn't speak simply just to make sound and to make noise. When he speaks, amazing things happen. And without his words and without reliance on him, amazing things don't happen. Let's face it, we tend to rely on things that we trust. Every single chair that you sit down in, you sit down trusting that chair is going to hold you up. You've got experience with chairs. It might even be a chair that you've never sat in before, but you've got experience with others like that. You trust it right off the bat. You have, you've never seen it before, but it looks like something that you could trust, and so you do. You put all your weight in that chair. That happens, that happens often. Most of the time, you rely on yourself to balance your checkbook because you've done it a few times in the past. You seem to have a pretty good handle on it. You haven't bounced a check in, well, since you stopped writing checks and just went online with everything. But you say, I got this. I know what I'm doing. God, you don't even have to get out of bed. I got this. Surprisingly, in our life, sometimes we even put trust in our, and, and, and our reliance on people we have known for much less time than we have known God. You go to a financial advisor because you see their ad in the phone book or, or you, you see their, their ad online, and that's a beautiful ad. They must be important. They must be trustworthy. We don't know them. But we'll walk in and we will put full reliance on people that we don't even know about areas that we won't give God any reliance in. Why is that? Why does it happen like that? We don't give God the reliance that he deserves. Even though we read verse after verse after verse that that God is there, that he is reliable, and he is always going to be there. And we can't come up with a time in our lives when God has ever cheated us or ever lied to us. We know that he has been reliable to us, but we still won't rely on him. But we will rely on that video that we saw that popped up talking about that thing that we care about. Because it's a, a video, it made it to my screen, it has to be true, right? We give a lot of attention to things that make it to our screen. I wonder if we give as much attention to the words that make it to the book. Maybe we give more weight to the fact that it must be, it must be correct because it's new, right? This guy looks like a professional. This guy has some letters after his name. This guy, oh. I love this one. Oh, he wrote a book. This guy wrote a book. 
He must be a professional, must know what he's talking about. You know that anyone could write a book? You know that any publisher that thinks that they're going to make money off of selling a book will sell a book? You know that just because you have a book doesn't mean that you have a truthful book? There's quite a few books of, out in our public libraries that aren't full of truth. But there's one book in every single hotel room that is absolutely full of truth, but we don't go to it first. For some reason, we struggle with 100% reliance on God. I'm going to read you something from Matthew chapter 6. And you've heard this before. But I want to remind you of this. Matthew chapter 6, we're in verse number 25. Jesus says this, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body not more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more than important than them? And which of you by worrying can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worrying about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor, nor do they spin a thread for a cloth. Yet I say, do you not, do you, I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, What are we to eat? What are we to drink? What are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these will be provided to you. It says it right there. It says, Come and rely on me. Not just come and rely on me some. No, it says go all in. Go all in. Here's the fourth point, the final point that I want you to write down this morning. All in reliance requires all in trust. All in reliance requires all in trust. You can't rely on anything that you don't trust. Pick an area of your life. And let's determine if you are all in in your reliance on God. Just pick an area. You know how to determine if you are all in in your reliance on God? Simple. Are you doing what God is asking you to do in that specific area? Or are you adding the word but after God's instructions? Marriage, money, work, parenting, entertainment, witnessing, the tithe and offering. Say, am I fully relying on God in this area of my life? Well, Am I fully following God's direction for this area of my life? If not, it might be because I'm not fully reliant on Him because I, and I know it hurts to say this, maybe it's that 
you struggle with trust and trusting God in this area. If we are all in in our reliance on God, then we are all in with trusting God. And if we are all in in trusting God, then we are okay and we are all in to following his commands. All in in reliance means all in to following his commands, even if it just doesn't jive with what we think. Even if we think we can do it better. Even if we think that it doesn't work like that anymore. Even if we think that God's direction for marriage is archaic. Well, God created marriage and he created a direction for marriage. We can't say we are all in with God in marriage if we are not following his plan. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, it says this, Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. See, trust in things that you can see, that's fine. Faith is knowing for certain of things that you can't see. It's knowing for certain that God's manual for your finance is correct. It is knowing for certain that God's manual for your marriage is correct. It is being fully reliant on God, even though you don't have this plan laid out. You didn't write the plan. You weren't involved in creating the plan. But you were all in. That is faith. It's certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. Isaiah in chapter 40, verse number 10 says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will also help you. I will also uphold you with my righteous right hand. Look at all of those pronouns that God is using the word I. I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will also help you. I will also uphold you. When has God ever lied to us? What has God ever done to cause this mistrust? What has God ever done to break down this barrier of full 100% reliance on Him in full 100% areas of our life? What is it? Why don't we trust Him in areas that we know we can trust Him, but we don't? Why can't we stand up and say that we've got enough faith in him? I've got enough faith, God. I am following all of these areas. And you know what, God? The areas that I'm not following, I'm willing to. I'm ready to. See, everything that God has provided to us, what else do we need? 
What else do we need to be given from God to build up the trust enough to fully rely on Him? What is it that we're missing? What else are we going to require God to show us before we can tell Him, you know what, yeah, I'll give you my full reliance. I don't know about you, but I know my limits. I know the best that I can do for myself. I even know the worst that I can do for myself. I know that. And I know the best that other people can do for me. And I'll be 100% honest with you. I know the best that I can do for other people. I want to be there when you need me as your pastor. But I'll tell you, there's somebody much stronger than I am that you must be reliant upon. You have to be relying on God. But for some reason, knowing that our friends and family have limits, we still keep telling God, God, you don't even have to get out of bed. I got this. I don't need your help. I've got people. I've got people to talk to who can help here. I'm going to end this morning with something that you've probably read in the Bible hundreds of times. Something that your grandma probably read to you. Something that you've heard this at funerals, you've heard it maybe at weddings, you've heard it at maybe two to three times a year. Some of you can actually recite this. Some people say that their life verse is found in here. I wonder if you know this in your head, but maybe you don't know this in your heart. You want to know about reliance. You want to know about deep reliance. You want to know about being all in in your reliance on God. I want you to listen to these six verses, and I want you to listen for facts. I'm in Psalm 23, verse number one. Says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If we are going all in, in our reliance on God, we must trust in his words. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you that you are reliable, that you are one who is always going to be there. You are one who has always been there. Lord, I want to thank you for the fact that 
even though we struggle in areas of our life, that you already have a plan for us. You already have a plan for our marriage, for our finance, for our relationships. All we need to do is read your plan and follow your instructions. You didn't simply create us and create chaos and say, go and live in this. No, you created us and you created a path and you gave us instructions. Lord, this morning, this morning I pray for anyone here in our congregation, in house or online, that we look into our lives and we recognize those areas in our lives that we are not fully and 100% reliant on you. And Lord, I pray this morning that you will open up our eyes to see that relying on ourselves is just going to lead us to get the best. The best of the situation comes from the best that we could do. We know the best that we could do. It's not even close to what you could do. Lord, this morning, I want to thank you for loving us even in those moments when we struggle to come to you. Even in those moments when, when we say, God, just stay in bed. I got this. I don't need your help. But you don't turn and run. You're still there. And Lord, maybe we've been telling you for generations. Maybe we've been telling you for years, I don't need your help. Lord, thank you for being there. That we could still turn to you right now. Lord, we pray that you hear our prayers. And as we sing, that you hear our praises. Lord, I pray that as a church and as individuals, that we learn to go all in in relying on you. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.